Good morning. How are you today? I need two volunteers who are willing to come up on the stage. Two, count them. One, two. Come on, Michael, I need you. Who else? I need one more. Come on, you're good. What's your name? Come on, meet. Let's go. Here's what I want you to do. We just did what is not a, not a totally unusual meet and greet, right? Ryan, Michael, you know each other? Yeah. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Ryan, you come on this side. You come on that side. You stay there. I want you to walk toward him and give him a high five. Bang. Okay, now, put on this glove. You put on that glove. And I want you, after the gloves go on, I want you to do the same thing, if you would, please. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Good. Now, what's the deal? Ah, there we go. Do it again. Do it again. One, two, three, go. Boom. Cool. Now, here's the deal. When, when a lot of us come to church, okay, we just give a high five. We give a high five to what gets said. We get a high five to the songs. And we kind of give a high five to each other. And then we walk away, and we don't see each other for the rest of the week. Well, we're starting a series called Sticky Church. Thanks, guys. Give them a big hand. Thank you. And my sweet wife sewed Velcro onto these garden gloves. These are precious in my sight. But wouldn't it be great if there was a way uh, to make church stick and to make you stick to what happened at church? And so our series over the next few weeks, especially as we head into small groups series, is is sticky church. What would that look like if instead of just giving a high five and walking away and not seeing anybody for another week, that you actually had input into your life? You know, the surveys tell us that the least effective hour for life change in the whole week calendar, you know, there are 168 hours in a week, but the least effective time to see people's lives change is Sunday morning. That hour that we spend together, it's not a bad hour, but a lot of times people come wanting to be entertained, uh, or they want to get like a little dose of Christianity, or, uh, you know, the old, uh, who remembers Brill Cream? Do you remember the Brill Cream ad? Dave, you, don't, you probably never used it, but a little dabble, do you? You know, and, and you almost get vaccinated from, from true uh, Christianity because uh, there's nothing there that sticks. You know, it's as if sometimes you walk in and you'd like some magic potion, and you'd like to be able to take a pill or take a drink, and well, I'll be great spiritually for another week. It just doesn't happen that way. It's a little frustrating for me. You know, as a speaker, I get up and I talk a lot all over the place. And uh, I'm blessed to do that. But the reality is most people don't do what I ask them to do, including my children and my grandchildren. Uh, but real life change takes place over a long period of time when there's interaction between people, when there's stickiness going on. And the New Testament is full of this idea. When you come to the New Testament, there's a big emphasis on the phrase one another. So today's big idea is love one another. Say that, love one another. We're going to see how that works. We're going to unpack that. And what God wants for us is to begin to understand what it means to love one another. I've been involved in three church plants over my many years. And and the great thing about a church plant is when it's new and young, it's kind of like a baby, a toddler. You know, I love toddlers. I've got Six little boys that live on either side of my house, and they're just so cool. And, and, and they're like three and two, and the two little babies, and they're just so fun and cuddly, and you want to pinch their cheeks, and they're full of energy. They're like bear cubs. You know, you can wrestle with them and throw them around. They don't, I'm good with boys. The problem with churches is that after a while, those little, cute, cuddly kids go through adolescence. Puberty happens. They get acne. 
they have emotional distress, hormones set in. And see, at TBA, you know, we're five years old now. We, we're, we finished three years in this building. And we're at a stage, we feel like, where we need to get through the adolescent period and become more mature as a church family. And so that's why we need to understand what does it mean to love one another. When you come to the New Testament, Jesus takes his disciples to the upper room on the night before he dies. And he's ready to get the church started. You know, the church starts 50 days after the resurrection on the day of Pentecost. But he says in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you what? Love one another. You see, it's, it's not an option. You're to do it because Jesus said do it. I mean, and, and whatever church body you're attached to, we, we ought to learn how to love one another. The, the Greek word is interesting. It's the word all alone, A-L-L, kind of an A-O-N, all alone. And you're not all alone. The reality is you're together in this. God does not design our faith to be lived alone with him. You know, God designed our faith to be lived out in community. And that's why Jesus, again, last night of his life, he knew that he was going to die. He knew that he was not going to be with his men anymore after this day in, in his earthly body. And he knew that this was his last shot to give them truth. And so the first thing he did was he watched them come into the upper room and they fought about who's going to sit where. And then they had a discussion about who's going to wash the feet. Because they didn't, they didn't quite get the one another idea. The one another's are all about what can I do for my fellow followers of Christ. And so Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and then he talks about being a servant, and then he says, love one another. Now here's the thing, it's a new commandment. It's not the same commandment that they knew, because throughout the Old Testament, people were told to love one another. In Leviticus 19, they're told to love their neighbor as themselves. That's loving one another. If you're part of the Jewish community, you understood love one another. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. There's a new way to love each other. What does that look like? The new commandment is this. I give to you that you love one another even as I have what? Loved you. So there's a difference between just loving each other. And, and I love my kids when they were little. Uh, I think it was Zach. I'll pick on you if it wasn't. But Zach used to say chother. And instead of love, love one another, they would say, love your chother. We'd say, you want to go to so-and-so? Yeah, let's go. But let's make sure uh, we just go with, with our chother, each other, one another. But, but Jesus, there's a new way to love your chothers. Love as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, what did Jesus do that proved his love? Well, in this same upper room discourse, John chapter 13, John chapter 14, John chapter 15, 16, and 17... Jesus says this is what it's like to love like he loved. In John 15, he says, Greater love has no one than this, that one what? Lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm giving you a new commandment. It's not just love one another. It's love one another as I have loved you. And the way I have loved you is that you lay down your life for your friends. Now that involves, in Jesus' case, dying for the disciples. He's going to do that the next morning. But I believe as the church starts, what it involves for us is being willing to pour ourselves out and live for each other. We lay down our lives on a daily basis. If you're, you know, anybody have kids starting school tomorrow? Yay! But before those kids go to school, you've got to lay down your life for those kids. You've got to fill out the forms and go to orientation and buy the backpacks and the list of materials. And let's be honest, they're not going to learn a thing anyway. I mean, I ask my grandchildren every week, so what did you learn this week at school? 
Nothing. Now, last year we had a really cool, cool thing. My redhead, who you see run, running around here some, I, I asked her, what did you learn today? And she said, well, we don't learn anything on Tuesdays. Our learning day is Wednesday. <laughs> so there is hope. There is hope. And I love teachers, and I ache for what we put them through. But we need to pray for our teachers and pray for our kids because they lay down their lives every day to go spend their days with our kids. And that's what Jesus is saying here. There's a new way to love. Love as I have loved you. I've laid down my life for you. But before he died on the cross, he spent three and a half years living with them. That's what love is about. And that's what God wants for us. So today's big idea is we are commanded to what? Love one another in the same way that Jesus loved us. Now this is a big deal in the New Testament. In fact, if you go through the Bible, there are either 12 or 13 verses that talk about loving one another. You know, the New Testament is only 27 books long, but almost every New Testament author goes back to this idea. And I think if Jesus were to walk in our doors one Sunday, he would want to know, how are you loving each other? Are you loving each other in a sacrificial, ongoing, lay-down-your-life way? for? Because that's what, that's what creates the sticky. Where'd the sticky go? See, It's the loving each other that keeps the gloves together. Otherwise, you know, church is just a high five. Otherwise, church is just, you know, just a little, little bit will do. And so we're to pour into each other the way Christ has poured himself out for us. So let's look at some of these places. You know, it occurs 12 times in the New Testament, and the reason is it's very important. Why is it important that we love each other? Well, Jesus says, I do not ask. Again, same passage, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, is called the Upper Room Discourse. And at the end of the Upper Room Discourse, he's praying for the believers. And he's saying, I am not asking on behalf of these 12 disciples alone, but, for, but also for those who believe in me through their word. See, Jesus knew that the church was about to start, and people would come to know him through the word of the disciples. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 souls come to faith on that first Pentecost Sunday. The church starts in Jerusalem, mostly Jewish people, with 3,000 people. And then it explodes on the scene. And the reason it exploded on the scene was this. The reason the church was explosive at the time of Christ and the apostles was people could see they interacted in a different way. And so Jesus says, but also for those who believe in me through their words, so they may all be one, so that the world may believe that you sent me. See, Jesus knew how important it is that we love one another. Jesus wants us to be one. You know, that's a very important word. There ought to be unity among believers. It doesn't mean there's unanimity among believers. We don't always agree with everything every believer does, but there ought to be a commitment to oneness, a commitment to harmony, a commitment to say, what can I do to help that person succeed in their walk with Christ? Well, suppose you disagree. <clears throat> Well, you know, if you have a disagreement with a believer, there are processes set up in the Scripture to deal with that. But sometimes I just need to step back. I did this a little bit yesterday. And say, you know, I, I don't agree with the way that got done, but I have to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives enough to say, okay, I'm not in charge, God's in charge, and I trust these people. You know? You may not like some of the changes that go on in here. I want more donuts! But we need to trust that the people who make those decisions are filled with the Holy Spirit and want the best for everybody. 
See, it's as simple as, as that sometimes. Are you willing to trust that the Holy Spirit is actually working in someone else's life? That's how oneness happens. It's an important word. It's a very big word. In the Old Testament, uh, when, when God created marriage, he said, For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And it had more to do than the physical area. You know, there's a oneness there. It's the word used in Deuteronomy 6. I, I've talked to you about the Shema. Hear, O Israel, Shema Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Well, people ought to be able to look at us and say there's a oneness there that takes place because they're moving together toward Christ to become sticky as a church. My wife and I will be married 42 years on Tuesday. She gets all the props. But, you know, when you get married, the idea of oneness is, is God's goal for your marriage. You know, there's, there's you and there's your spouse, but there ought to be God in the equation. And as you get closer to God, the oneness happens. It's a wonderful word. Actually, uh, in the Old Testament, it comes from an, an Egyptian word. And we need to pray for the situation in Egypt. There are believers in Egypt being killed right now because they're Christians. But in ancient Egypt, they would take a thin piece of papyrus and they would glue it to another piece of papyrus so they had a heavy-duty piece of papyrus and you only saw the one piece. And that's God's goal for, for husbands and wives and families and churches, that there's a oneness there. It has to do with filling up one another's empty spaces. It's more of an emotional oneness. And, and most of the time when you're, when you're dealing with married couples, and we do from time to time, uh, they're very, very different in their approach to life. You know, He's strong in this area, she's strong in that area, but they're different areas. So when he's weak in an area, she can be strong for him. And when he's strong in an area, she can be weaker in an area, and they can fill each other's spaces up. That's what marriage is about. Well, in a sense, the church is, is a big marriage. We're all married to each other. And Jesus says, Father, I want them to all be one so that the world may believe that you sent me. And this is such a big deal that all of the New Testament writers, except for one that I know of, talk about it. Because today's big idea, we are commanded to love one another in the same way that Jesus loved us. And as the New Testament writers look back on this idea and back at the Upper Room Discourse, they quote it over and again many times. Peter, remember Peter? Wait a minute, I'm going the wrong way. There we go, Peter. 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, Peter says, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. I like the NIV here. The NIV here says, above all, love each other deeply. It's the idea, of, it's the word of without ceasing. Make a decision that I'm going to love my Christian brothers and sisters and then hang on to that for dear life. Do it fervently. You know, we're getting ready to start football season. What's your favorite football team? <clears throat> How many like the Bucks? How many think the Bucks can go 8-8 eight and eight this year? <clears throat> How many think they're going to be in the playoffs this year? See, that's faith right there. <laughs> you know? But, but I, I love to watch football because the fans are fervent. They're passionate. You know, Alabama is ranked in the preseason poll number one. How many like Roll Tide? Well, you know, here's the deal. There's a very small chance that the number one preseason uh, poll ranking is, is there at the end of the year. We'll see what kind of 
recruits they've paid to come play. <laughs> but that's, that's the idea of fervent. It's passion. It's, you know, would, would you stand up for your, for your fellow brother or sister in Christ with that same fervor, with that same passion? Because that covers a multitude of sins. Yeah, we screw up. You know, you don't have to be at TBA more than a week to find out we screw up here. We're trying to get it right. We want to get it right. But we get it wrong sometimes. And you get it wrong sometimes. But love covers a multitude of sins. In your home, you need two things, love and discipline. But given the choice, make sure your kids know that they're loved. Now, they need discipline because if there are no consequences, they don't understand forgiveness. So you need, you need, to, you need to deal with consequences, and you need the discipline. But in the end particularly teenagers, they got to know that we're for them. We're, we're in their camp. We want the best for them. That's the best gift you can give to your kids. John, remember Peter and John, two of the key apostles. 1 John 4, no one has seen God at any time. Well, how in the world would you see God? Well, if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. You can't see God. He's chosen to be invisible. But you can see God working in the life of believers. And that's why he calls us together as a family of believers. People ought to be able to, to look at TBA Church and say, wow, look at what they do to serve the community. Look at the way they re- relate to each other. You know? And that's John, the apostle of love. Then you have Paul. who Some people get upset with Paul because he's a little feisty guy, but I love Paul. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. In other words, To to be devoted is to honor each other to an exceptional degree. Be devoted to one another. Give preference to one another in honor. You know, it's and you guys do such a great job at this. You you know, you give up the best parking spaces so the guests can have them. You go to the end of the line when food is served so the people that are new here get served first. And that's a reflection of the one another command, to love one another. Giving them honor. Again, honor is a word that comes up in our marriage. In the old marriage vows, we would love and honor and cherish our spouse. And the word honor means to give weight to. It's a a word that is used of precious metal. If you had a a whole bunch of gold, if I walked in here with a gold bar instead of a pair of floppy gloves, and I laid it down there, you go, wow. That's honor. When my spouse walks into the room, when my kids walk into the room, when my students walk into the room, when my boss walks into the room, when my employers walk into the room, when my brothers and sisters walk into the room, I should go, wow. I cannot believe after 42 years that my wife still wants to be married to me. She knows every possible thing I've done wrong. And yet she still gives me preferential treatment and gives me honor. Now, I used to get better preferential treatment before I had grandchildren, and eh, not so much now. You know, I used to want to be second on Gwen's list. First there was God, then there was me. Then I had four kids, so I moved down to number six. Now we've got ten grandkids. I'm just hoping to stay in double digits, you know. <laughs> but that's what it's about. Now, what does this look like here? We're going to just zip through a bunch of verses because I've got a pretty fun application uh, for you. But as this works itself out, what does sticky church look like here at TBA. Let me just give you a handful of verses. Jump on the one that you like and 
Ask God to use that in your life to make you sticky. First one, Romans 15, 7. Read that with me. Therefore, accept one, say it with me, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us. See, that ought to be the first response when I show up on Sunday is how can I accept, embrace, encourage, reach out to my fellow believers at TBA? The word accept really means to extend your hand so as to include someone. It was used in the Old Testament, in the Old World. If somebody was cold and you had a fire, you would extend your hand and you would bring them into the warmth of the fire. And you know, again, I think there's, there are times when we do great at this, but no one should ever walk in here and, and, and come in and out of here two or three Sundays and, and not have somebody extend a hand and say, hey, we're glad you're here. How can we serve you? What is it you're interested in? Where do you need to be? So that's what we do. We accept one another. We, we receive them. We take them uh, by the hand and lead them to the warmth of Christ's fire. Next verse, uh, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. You know, I love this passage. Be kind to each other. The word kind is excellent. Anybody remember the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? One of, the, one of the 20 great movies of all time. And at the end of the movie, they ruled the universe. Do you remember their two rules? Be what? Be excellent to each other. And what? Party on, dude. By the way, Elaine was rocking the bass today. Where's Elaine? We, we love you, Elaine. She, you notice when Elaine is, is playing the keys, she just kind of sits there nice and quiet. But now today she's rocking the bass. She's dancing around up here. Bill and Ted were excellent to each other. That's what God wants from us. Treat each other in an excellent way. Be, be tenderhearted. You know, the word tenderhearted, uh, it, it means kind or pleasant. And then uh, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. It, because, because God in Christ has forgiven you. The word tenderhearted means literally from the depth of your bowels. It's the, I've, I've told you this word before. It's the word splagizo. Say splagizo. It's the word when Jesus looked at the multitude, it says he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved in the innermost being. I ought to be moved when I see my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I ought to be tenderhearted, willing to forgive them. Ephesians 4.25, don't lie to each other. Don't lie to each other. You know, some of them are positive, some of them are don't do's. Therefore, Paul says, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. When you came to know Jesus, you were placed into the body of Christ. You belong to each other. You are members of each other. Poor Gwen, uh, we, we went to Texas two weeks ago and taught on, on parenting. We, we never taught on parenting until our last child was raised and we were sure we had not raised a serial killer. But uh, we get asked to go teach on parenting and and the night before we're getting ready to get on the airplane, she broke her toe. I mean, she broke her toe. You look at her little toe on her, it's your right foot, isn't it, baby? And it, it, it kind of, you know how your, your toe's supposed to follow along with the rest of the toes? Well, her little toe took a sharp right turn. I mean, it just, it's still black and blue down around the base. And you know how many times that she has bumped that toe in the last two and a half weeks? And that's what happens when one member of the body is out of joint, the whole body suffers. When somebody here at TBA is, 
is out of sorts, it hurts us all because we are members of each other. And if you lie to each other, that doesn't help. In fact, don't do it. Proverbs 6, you know, Brian talked about Proverbs last week. It says, there are six things, no seven, that the Lord hates. Lying lips is the second on that list. Don't lie. Young people, how many are starting school tomorrow? Don't lie at school. Don't cheat. Come up with an accountability partner. Make it one week. Say, did you cheat today? Did you cheat this week? Hold each other accountable. It's the biggest cancer in schools is cheating. I was guilty of it. But we represent Christ. We need to be honest with each other as students, as parents, as church members. Now, another, this is too convicting. We better move out of that. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. I love this book. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, and he'd only been there three weeks, and he, he started a church. Then he got run out of town. And so he, he hears that they're doing well, and so he basically writes to say, Hey, keep on the right track. The word encourage... Uh, is, is the word paraclete. It's the word used for the Holy Spirit in John 14. It's the word to comfort. Para is the word alongside of, and clete, kaleo, is to walk alongside of. You were to walk alongside of each other and encourage each other. Now, the, the, the word is used two ways. It's used of a pat on the back, and it's used of a smack in the bottom. Same word. So again, as you, as you walk through life with your family, as you walk through life as a parent, as you walk through life as a church person here at TBA, sometimes people need a pat on the back. More often than not, we need a pat on the back. But sometimes we need a good swift whack in the bottom. There's about 24 inches difference, but it's the same word. Build up one another. The word build is like building a dam. You're just putting mortar, brick, earth, so forth. And then... Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You know, we had Christmas in July. I thought the food uh, was just awesome and the, and the gift bags for the teachers. But we needed to be stimulated to do that. I don't think of giving food away un unless I'm stimulated. So we need to be, the word stimulated means to prod along, to, to be moved in your heart. Have you ever been moved in your heart to do something? And that's what this verse uh, basically says. And then, this is my least favorite one. Do not complain, brethren, against one another. What do you mean putting that verse up there? I'm going to complain about that. Don't complain. If you have a problem, go to the person and solve the problem. Or, more likely, you ought to just pray about it. It's, it's a groan. It's, and again, the longer we exist as a church, we're five years into this experiment now, the more you know about the church. And the more you know about any church... The more you know about the bad stuff. You know, some, I get to speak in different churches, and it's always fun to go somewhere where I don't know anything that's wrong. And it's happy, 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 joy, joy, joy. But, you know, the, the last church Gwen and I went to, we, we were there for a couple of years, and then before that we were in the same church for 22 years. We knew every single thing wrong in that church. Well, we're five years old, we're in adolescence, we've just hit puberty, and acne is forming on our body. Don't complain about it. It's part of the growing process. It's part of the growing process. Now, here's the deal. Why is this important? By this, Jesus said, all men will know that you are my what? Disciples, if you have what? <clears throat> Love for one another. People can look at us and know that we belong to Christ by the way we treat each other. And we invite 
non-Christ followers in here all the time. And they ought to see a difference in the way we treat each other. And people ought to see a difference in the way you treat your family, in the way you treat your employees, and the way you treat your people that you play with out in the community because you know Jesus. And, and they ought to come and say, hey, I want to know more about how you live because it's different. But it starts with loving one another and bearing one another's burdens. Take a quick look at this video. Bring it in, guys. All right, that's it for today. We have a game tomorrow, so get some rest tonight. And remember, ties and jackets tomorrow. Clay. Mr. Cruz, I'm impressed with what you've done, but you came up short. You owe me 80 suicides and 500 push-ups. Please leave my gym. Thanks, Clyde. Gentlemen, see you tomorrow. I'll do push-ups for him. You said we're a team. One person struggles and we all struggle. One player triumphs, we all triumph, right? I'll do some. I'll run suicides too. I do some too. <laughs> doesn't take place really well on Sunday morning, although we're going to do a little exercise here to encourage that. But we're getting ready to, to be in our season of small group sign-ups. If you're not in a small group, it's the best way to grow. I don't believe you're designed to grow in your faith by yourself. You do life together with people, and you learn to bear one another's burdens, because we're a team in this. And when one of us comes up short, we all come up short. And so we need to be willing to be the guy that says, hey, I'll, I'll do some push-ups, I'll do some suicides, I'll do whatever it takes to make my Christian brother or sister, my neighbor family, successful. Here's the cool verse, Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens, thereby fulfill the what? The law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? First verse, a new commandment I give you that you what? Love one another as I have loved you. If you want to fulfill that, you learn to bear one another's burdens. 
And what we're going to do is, uh, in just a minute, we're going to have the band come up here. And we've got a bunch of sticky pads over here because this is Sticky Church Day. And I'm sure that a lot of us have come today with a burden. Maybe it's a light burden, maybe it's a heavy burden. Maybe there's an illness in your family, a job situation, a child that's about to start school and they're, uh, you're, you're really worried about their circumstance. Uh, maybe there's situations where uh, you're just not sure about what God would have you do for the next several weeks, months. Maybe you're just not situated on your job well. Maybe there's a marriage problem going on. Maybe there's a money issue that is a burden for you. We all have these from time to time, and so what I want us to be willing to do is come up and jot those down on a sticky note. The reason we use sticky notes particularly is this. After you've jotted them down, then the rest of us, if you don't have any burdens or if you had a burden and and you want to help carry somebody else's burden, pick up somebody else's sticky note and stick it, like sticky church, to your refrigerator or to your dashboard or to your mirror, and then pray for that need at least every day for the next week. Now, here's the caveat. If you are led to do so, and only, and we don't want anybody to be uncomfortable, but if you'd like to know that you're being prayed for, then jot your phone number on the sticky note, and your, and your first name or your last name, that's fine, whatever you feel good about, and jot down, hey, this is my need, and, that, and if you pick up a note that has a phone number on there, then you're saying, okay, I'll, I'll call, and I'll check in with that person at least once during the week. I don't know if you've ever prayed with someone over the phone, but it's the coolest thing. You know, God actually can hear you from wherever you are. And, uh, and it's cool to pray together over the phone over a burden that someone has. So uh, come on up, Brian. We're going to get, get a little music going. And again, as we do this, let me just pray for you. And if you have a burden that you need to share with somebody else, we're not going to post them publicly. We're not going to email it anywhere but you'd like just one other person in this place to be praying for you regularly, or you'd like them to give you a call, then write it down on the sticky note, leave it on the stage. I'll tell you what, let's put the, uh, the ones without the phone numbers, put them down on that side of the stage. The ones with the phone numbers, we'll put them on this side of the stage. And then if you're led to pray for somebody's burden, would you please come on up and grab one of those and take it with you? You can do both. But if you have a burden, we want to give you the chance to come, and if you're willing to be a, a prayer and a burden bearer, you know, that word burden bearer is pick up, pick up something and get it from point A to point B. That's all it is. And Christ picked up our burden of sin, didn't he, on the cross? And he took it from point A to point B. He took it from the cross to the grave to heaven. Father, we love you. We ask that you would help us reflect your love for us. And now as people begin to write down what their burdens are, I pray you'd give us a real sense of freedom here in this room that you would teach us what it means to love one another, to be a sticky church, that you would teach us to bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you that you loved us and we pray that we would love one another as Christ loved us. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. We thank you for this time, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.